Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. And I just want to take a moment this morning. You can go ahead and take a seat. We're going to worship in a few more minutes, but I'm going to pray. Um, I'm going to pray today because, you know, we have a big week ahead of us as a, as a, as a people, right? We have an important election and it's on all of our minds. And I'm not sure how much God is involved in who wins and who loses. I don't know if that's really what we pray for. What we pray for is that God moves in the hearts of of people, right? That he would move not only in our hearts, but he would move in the hearts of those who may be involved in these elections. The, the scriptures, of course, say that we should pray for our governing authorities. And so we're going to pray for our, for our governing authorities. We're going to pray for everyone from the president to the senators, to the, you know, to the city officials, to, to whoever it is that, um, that is about to be on a ballot this week. Some of you have already voted. Some of you are going to vote. Some of you are not going to vote. And that's not really the point for me today. The point is prayer, because I know, I know that God wants his people to pray. I know that God wants his people to hope for revival. I know that God wants his people to pray for healing in their land. I know that God wants his people. It says in the scriptures, we've said it so many times. He says, if my people will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face, will turn from their wicked ways. He says, I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And I know that all of us know that we need healing in our land. All types of healing, right? We need to be healed of a coronavirus. We just need that thing to go away. <laughs> and, and, and God can do that. I know that he can do it through vaccines, but he can also do it through just being God. And we also need pray. We need to pray for healing in our nation for the divisions that our world faces. We see so many divisions between political division, socioeconomic division, even geographical division, depending on where you live, right? There's all sorts of division at every turn. We need healing. And an election is a point in which we look at our nation and we kind of do an assessment every four years and we go, oh, we need to fix that, we need to fix that. And I'm just telling you, there's one answer. <laughs> and it's the name of Jesus. And so no matter who wins, I said sort of this last week, no matter who wins, we have one name that we still cling to as our hope and it's Jesus Christ. And so this morning I wanna pray, but I don't wanna pray about a particular outcome. I wanna pray for the people of God to fall in love with the Father, for the people of God to know that the hope for this nation, the hope for the world is Jesus Christ. So let's do that together Will we pray Father, we do pray, we humble ourselves before you and we, and we pray today, we seek your face, we repent of our ways and we ask that Lord, you would hear us from heaven, that you would forgive our sin, that you would heal our land today. We pray, we do pray for our nation as we go through another election. There are a lot of important matters at stake that we just, Father, at the end of the day, we wanna entrust to you. So we first declare that we don't put our hope in a person, we put our hope in you. We put our hope in Jesus, but we do pray and we lift up 
all those in governing authority positions. We are thankful for them. We, we, we're grateful for the service that they do as citizens of this country. And we pray for them that, Father, you would indwell them with your spirit. We pray that you would move in the government, that you would move in those in leadership positions. And that, Father, everyone from the president to our senators, to our House of Representatives, to our to our city officials, Father, we just pray that you that they would become people of peace regardless of religion, regardless of, of their faith. We, of course, pray that they would be followers of Christ, but Lord, even for those that aren't, we pray they are people of peace, united to the common good of all people. And we pray for healing in our land. We pray for healing of the coronavirus. We pray for healing of political, socioeconomic, geographical, and racial divides in our nation. The enemy looks to divide while, Father, you look to unite. The enemy wants to create unrest, so we ask, may your peace rest on our nation. And Lord, we pray revival in this land. We need you to move. We need you to do great things. So we pray that your church, your people, we pray that we would cling to you, we would hunger and thirst. We pray that you would renew your church, stir us up for your purpose and your glory. We pray we are ready for a great move of your spirit in our days. So Lord, we do ask that you start with us, God. Start with us and do a new work. So Father, we pray all this in your powerful son's name, Jesus. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you all for praying. And I know you'll continue to do so this week. And we just got started in worship. We're gonna we're gonna do a little bit more worship after the message tonight or today, and so uh, I'm very excited to continue to do that because I feel like this is one of those days that I just feel I just want us to worship the Lord and to just sing out to Him, and I hope that you will as well. So we obviously had a big week, um, and we have a big week ahead of us, don't we? And uh, I know we're all waiting on pins and needles of who's gonna win the election between Kendra Horn and Sandra Bice. <laughs> Some of you get that, right? Um, I had no electricity this week, so I was very grateful for all the large, humongous mailers that I could use to start a bonfire with. You got to laugh to keep from crying. Some of you really get that joke. Some of you are like, who's Kendra Horn and Sandra? Don't worry about it. We've arrived in November, and uh, I, before I get into where we're going and before um, we invite Leslie up in just a moment, I, I just want to... Uh, I just want to recognize a few people. It's November 1st, and all month long, we're going to be uh, celebrating those who serve in our church. This is that month, you know, of the year in November where we obviously have Thanksgiving and we give thanks. And uh, we thought, hey, we should do that with our serve team this year. And so um, we're doing a thing each Sunday. If you serve on a, on a team on Sunday mornings or if you serve in a ministry, there's going to be a Sunday morning in which we celebrate you. But I thought at the beginning of the month, I want to just go ahead and recognize everyone right now. So if you serve in a ministry, you serve on a serve team, you serve anyone in our church, would you just stand up real quick? Stand up wherever you're at. We have some of them, of course, serving right now over in kids' ministry. Thank you guys so much. We love you. If you serve anywhere, serve anywhere. You guys are serve. Don't you serve? You can stay. I mean, stand up. Okay. Some of you are like, I don't want. Thank you so much for serving. Um, we love you guys. And I would just say to anyone that uh, didn't, uh, didn't stand, you can get involved with us and, and you can serve. One of the best ways to get involved here and to get to know people is to serve. 
You know, everybody always says small group, small group, small group, and small groups are fantastic, but the easiest way to plug in is to just start doing stuff with us and to just serve with us. And so you can go to the table at the end of, of the morning at the information table, there's a get involved card, sign up for one of our serve teams. You're already here on Sunday morning. A lot of our teams serve on Sunday morning. We have other ones, of course, like student ministry and other things that serve at other times during the week. Uh, we, but even right now, we have a need in our kids' ministry, and we mentioned that last week. So we'd love for you to join us and our serve teams. But those of you that are serving, thank you. We love you. We're grateful. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, well, we have, we have a, a good day today. Are you guys ready to go? Yeah. You all ready to go? Who lost power this week? Come on. You're supposed to. No, we didn't lose any power. We got Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was too easy. Um, yeah, we don't have power yet. Like, our family hadn't had power, power yet. I know Leslie, she didn't have power yet. We're just, we're rolling with it, right? It's, it's, it is what it is, but it's been a crazy week, and I know a lot of you guys are probably still experiencing that, uh, whether you're cleaning up limbs or whatever. So we're just thankful that you're here today. If you're online with us, thank you so much for joining us today. We love you, and we hope you're doing well. Um, I am believing, though, that God wants to do something uh, really great uh, today. I believe that he has something for really anybody that wants to have it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, sometimes, it's so, sometimes you're like, oh, that wasn't for me or that message was just for me. And I, I just have a belief that, well, God has something for everyone anytime they want it. And I believe if you want it today, he's got it. And if you're like, well, what's it? It's, it's, it's the thing you need. And it's the thing that, the thing that you're searching for. And so I, I just want to say, open your heart up to him today. See what God has in store. Um, and we're doing a series called The Way of Life. Everyone say The Way of Life. And in case you're new here, thanks for being here, first of all. Um, but if you're new here, we've been doing this for a number of weeks, and we're just looking at the teachings of Jesus out of the Gospels, and we're just looking at the ways of Jesus, really. When we say the way of life, we were essentially saying the ways of Jesus, because he had a lot to say by the life that he lived, the life that he embodied, and what he taught us, and how we ought to live, and what really, truly brings life. And today is really kind of a fun day for me, and I'm, a, I'm a very excited about it. I'm going to pray again in just a moment. Because uh, Leslie's going to come and she's going to actually give the message. This will be kind of her first time that she's done this on Sunday. She, she speaks all the time to our student ministry, but i um, very excited about her coming to do that. But, you know, as we talk, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Jesus, of course, he declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's kind of where this all begins. And so we're going to dig into a little bit more of what that means today. Talk about one of the most pivotal things that he said, uh, you know, when, but about Leslie real quick, um, before I pray for her, you know, she's been with us since day one, which is about eight years ago. Uh, she kind of uh, stepped up and said, hey, I'm in on this church that we're starting in Oklahoma City. And she stayed up late nights with us uh, putting together our website. And she kind of was our graphic guru in the beginning. And since then, she's won a lot of, number, a lot of hats in our church. And uh, starting with being the person that makes us look cool through her, her creativity and her gifts in that department. But also, uh, she's been our nursery director, and she's been our kids pastor, and now she's our student pastor. Uh, and she just fills the gaps on, I, I couldn't tell you how many things she fills the gaps on. It's just like, we need a little thing here just to make something a little bit better. And she, she touches everything in this church. And so, I don't know. I, I love her. We're thankful for her. Christy and I are so grateful for her. I know our whole team is. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and then you guys are going to welcome uh, Leslie up here. And uh, you guys ready? Yeah. I told you she doesn't have any power to house, but once again, I'm going to overplay this joke, but she's got power. 
what I'm saying? Mm. All right. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray for um, the rest of this morning. We give it to you. It's, it's, um, it's just a, an honor to be in your presence today, Father. Um, and Lord, we just uh, pray all this in your name. Amen. Wow. <laughs> wow. You guys, I've, I've paid all of you very well to do that. Thank you. Um, well, I'm just like crying back there in the wings listening to Tim introduce me. Thank you guys so much. Like Tim said, my name is Leslie, and I am our student pastor here at OKC Community, and I'm so excited to be with you. You know, teaching about Jesus is one of my favorite things in the world to do, and I get to do that most weeks with our students, and I'm just honored and humbled to get to do that with you today. And what I'm sharing this morning is really just something that God has been teaching me in my own life and just revealing to me in my own life. And my hope and my prayer is that you would get something out of this morning as well. So I wanna just dive right in and read from the Bible. <laughs> you guys okay with that? Okay, good. That would have been awkward if not. Okay, so we're going to be um, hanging out in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13 today. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and turn there. It's also going to be on the screen. You can look on your phone, all the places. But starting in Matthew 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then in verse 15, Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Then Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Some other translations have Peter responding with, you are the Christ the anointed one, the Messiah. And now this may seem like just a small moment. It's one that's kind of easy to breeze over, right? But it's actually a major turning point in the story of Jesus. Before this visit to Caesarea Philippi, Jesus had been going around doing all of the Messiah things, right? He'd been healing the sick, casting out demons, feeding everybody like a lot of lunch, the usual. And we, the reader, we already know that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, the one that this whole world had been waiting for. We've been let in on that secret really early on in the book of Matthew. But in real time, up until this moment, Peter, the disciples, the crowds who were following them all around, government leaders, religious leaders, everyone in their culture is trying to figure out just exactly who this Jesus person was. And as we see in verse 14, people were starting to see that there was something very unique about this guy, Jesus. He was obviously more than just a teacher, but they hadn't quite figured him out yet. They're like, is he John the Baptist? Is he Elijah? What's going on? We have no idea. And then in verse 16, Peter says this out loud for the very first time. Jesus, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. And this was a bold statement for Peter to make because to say that Jesus was savior, to say that Jesus was king, was to say that Caesar and Herod and all the other gods that people were worshiping at the time were not. 
And then uh, Peter says for the first time, again, it's you, Jesus, the Messiah that has been prophesied about since the beginning of time, the one who will make all things new, restore all things, God in the flesh. You're not just a rabbi. You're not just a prophet. You're much, much more than that. This was a moment that changed everything. And I love that this whole moment, this like big turning point, starts with these two questions from Jesus. Who do other people say I am? And who do you say I am? Now, Jesus could have easily, just from day one, started proclaiming that he was the Messiah. He's the answer to all of their prayers. He could have been proclaiming it from the rooftops and just forcing all of us to bow down to him. But no, he doesn't do that. It's a lot kinder than that. He just goes around and he does all the things that the Messiah would do. And then he gets to this moment and he asks these thought-provoking questions and lets them draw their own conclusions. And I think it's safe to say that these two questions that Jesus asks actually hold a lot of power and relevance for us even today. You know, while I was preparing for this message, the thing that God kept saying to me over and over and over again, I couldn't get past it, was this idea that so many times in my own life, I let the answer to the question, who do people say I am, affect the way that I answer, who do I say Jesus is? I know that's kind of a mind bender. It's honestly kind of bent in my mind, so let me read it one more time. Many times, (laughs) I think we let the answer to the question, who do other people say I am, affect the way we answer the question, who do we say Jesus is? Now, when I first started high school, I was really nervous. It was like very typical first day of school nerves. And the first class of my very first day, I happened to be put in this advanced science class that I had no business being in. I still to this day have no idea how that happened, but such is my life. So not only was I just nervous to start high school, but I was going to this class where I knew no one. It was all upperclassmen, and I just was like the dumbest person in the room. So I was pretty nervous. But I ended up quickly making a new friend with the girl who was sitting next to me. And, you know, we quickly bonded. We had a lot of the same favorite TV shows and music. We were both pretty sarcastic, had similar senses of humor. We were basically besties um, just after day one. Then a couple days later, we were walking in the hall after class, and we passed this group of girls who were on the Palm Squad. We all waved, said hi, and then right after we passed them, my new BFF from AP Kim uh, starts going off about how much she hates Palm Girls. She was like, they're so rude, and they're fake, and they're judgmental. They think they're so cool, but they're not. Don't you agree? They're the worst. Now, it was pretty obvious she had a strong disdain for palm girls, and I started feeling kind of uncomfortable. Like, I didn't really love the way that she was behaving and talking about them, and it seemed kind of rude. And I was also feeling pretty awkward because, well, I happened to be on the palm squad. I, I know. Listen, listen. I think it's pretty obvious why she didn't catch on. That I was, I'm just kidding. Um, 
For real, please be kind. This was the early 2000s. We didn't, as teenagers, we didn't have TikTok and YouTube to tell us how to do our hair or our makeup. Yeah, oh gosh. My mom legitimately ironed my hair with a clothing iron for this photo shoot, so just know that. Okay, um, all right, Matt, you can take that off so I can end this trauma. Um, so yeah, I was obviously uncomfortable because I was a palm girl. I was one of these girls that she hated. She just didn't know it yet. And not only was I on the Palm Squad, I was like the captain of the Palm Squad. This was actually like a huge part of my life. So internally, I was panicking. I wanted her to like me. I wanted her to keep being my friend. And the last thing I wanted was to her, for her to find out. So I just looked at her right in that hallway and I was like, totally. They're, <laughs> they're the worst. Like... Who would ever want to be on Palm? <laughs> now, the next day, I had to wear my uniform because it was game day, and that's how things work in high school. And I didn't want her to find out. I was so scared that I brought, like, a thousand extra layers of clothes to hide my uniform in the middle of August. I was so afraid of what she would think of me, of offending her, of being rejected, of losing a friend, that I hid my true identity. I had this thing that was actually really important to me, that I actually really loved. And here's the thing, is in that moment, I had an opportunity to show her that maybe, just maybe this preconceived idea that she had wasn't always true. And judging by her very intense reaction and opinion, my guess is that she had probably been rejected or hurt by one of those girls before. And I had a moment right there in that hall to bring some comfort and healing to that wound for her. I had a chance to show her something different. But I didn't. <laughs> I just hid. I stayed silent. Side note, she definitely found out. Um, it's hard to keep that kind of a thing a secret. And then she was even more mad that I had lied to her. It was like I had confirmed all these suspicions that she had about those girls. And here's the thing, and here's what I want to talk about today with all of us, is that I think a lot of times we do the same thing with our faith. Oh my, there we go. We do the same thing with our faith and our relationship with Jesus. You know, our culture right now has a lot of preconceived ideas about Christians and the church and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And a lot of them are not great. <laughs> There have been a few studies that have been done in the past couple of years of words, about words that people use to describe Christians, and they're not the best words, guys. Things like, they're hypocritical, they're judgmental, they're rude, they're too political, they're boring, they don't believe in science. And a lot of people, especially in an election year, are pretty vocal about these feelings, right? And to be totally fair, there are absolutely Christians who fit those descriptions, people who use and abuse the name of Jesus, who use their faith as a weapon. But I think what happens is we tend to worry so much about what other people think about us, and we try to distance ourselves as far as we can from those types of Christians that we end up swinging so far the other way. We demean people in an attempt to make ourselves look better. 
Like, oh, I'm not one of those Christians. No, I'm a cool Christian. I love science. Science is great. I do. It's fine. AP Kim, shout out. Or, or even worse, we hide our faith. We diminish our real, genuine, first-hand experiences with Jesus and how we have seen him move in our lives. We water it down in an attempt to not offend or make anyone uncomfortable. We hide, right? And truly, and I, I say this from my own experience, and I truly mean this, that I think we do it with the best intentions. Like, we don't want to hurt people. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. But what happens when we do that is that we end up taking Jesus completely out of the narrative. And it's only about us and them and her over there and him over here. Jesus is out of the picture. And instead, the conversation just revolves around all of us. You know, I think it's an interesting detail Um, God's always in the details. I love these little things. Um, That it's Peter who is the first to speak up at this moment that we read about earlier in Matthew 16. Here, when he's in front of Jesus and his closest friends, Peter's like, Jesus, you're the Messiah. It's you. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the son of the living God. He's so confident. But then later, just a few page turns later, When Jesus is arrested, the disciples are scattered, and Peter is alone in the crowd. A little girl comes up to him, and she says, hey, you, don't you know Jesus? You were with him. I saw you. Now, imagine the moment that could have happened there. Imagine the stories that Peter could have told them, the testimonies that he carried the genuine first-hand experience of walking through life with God in the flesh, the one that the whole world had been longing for. Imagine what could have been. But instead, how does Peter respond? He hides. (laughs) Me, he says, no, 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 no. I don't know him. I'm not one of them. I really relate to Peter a lot. I'm sure we all can. You know, I didn't actually start following Jesus until the week before my 19th birthday. I didn't like Christians. I didn't think I needed the church. And it definitely affected the way that I viewed Jesus himself. I thought, I can be a good person without Jesus. I can be a good human and not go to church. I can love people. I don't want to be judged or shamed when I go there. I don't want to become one of those people. Everything in my life was consumed about what people thought of me and what I thought about them. But then what happened was I met some people who had encountered the presence of God in their lives in a tangible way and who had genuine, authentic relationships with Jesus in a way that I had never seen before. They weren't perfect people at all, and they were very honest about that. But what they were was that they were confident about who Jesus was. They didn't use their faith as a weapon. They didn't shove it in my face. But they also, at the exact same time, did not hide their faith from me. They didn't water it down for me. 
And after being around people like that, I started to think that maybe I had this whole faith thing wrong. And all of a sudden, it did not matter about what I thought about them or their church or whose church is cooler or what will people think if I start going to church. All that mattered was that I wanted to know this same Jesus that they knew. You know, for as long as I can remember, my heart and my mind have struggled with that question. Who do other people say I am? What do people think of me? We all deal with it, right? Peter dealt with it. The disciples dealt with it. You deal with it. I deal with it. I honestly think that's probably why Jesus started with that question. I think he knew that our human hearts would be obsessed with knowing the answer, at least for ourselves. But here's the thing. The longer I follow Jesus, and the more I let him work in my life and in my heart, the more I find myself asking the question, am I going to be consumed with what other people say about me? Or am I going to be consumed about who Jesus is? And I think right now in this moment, in 2020, Jesus is inviting all of us to ask ourselves that same question. What about you? Are you going to live under the banner of who people think you are or under the banner of who God is? There are so many people hurting in our world right now. There are people hurting in your world right now. Maybe you're one of them. And now is not the time for us to hide or to diminish Jesus. It's also not time for us to turn him into a weapon or to worry about preserving our own likability and our own comfort. But the time is now to show people exactly who Jesus is, to bring him back into the narrative. And in order to do that, like million dollar question, how do we do that? We have to first, step one, be confident of how we are going to answer the question, who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Who is God? And so this morning, we want to spend some time really leaning into that question. We're going to read some scriptures, and Tim is going to continue to lead us in some reflection over this idea. And then we're going to worship some more because Jesus is worthy of our worship, right? And what better time than now than for us to be spending time gaining confidence in how we answer the question, who is God? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for this moment and this invitation to know you in a deeper way. We thank you that no matter what we may face or struggle or be consumed by, that you never change. No matter what is going on in the world around us, no matter what people say about us or you, that you never change. God, I just pray for each and every person in this room. I pray that you would meet them exactly where they are. I, would, I, I ask that you would answer questions they have, that you would bring them community of believers who know you in a genuine way. I pray that we would all walk out of here feeling a little bit different, like we had an encounter with you that was fresh and new. Jesus, 
we just ask that you would come in this place. You are welcome in this place. You're honored in this place. And we give you the rest of this morning. Amen. So good. Thank you, Leslie. Um, I want to, I do want to lead us in a time of responding. You know, Jesus said some things. I love the question. I mean, these two questions, right? Who do people say that I am? How we can make that about us. But then Jesus asked the question, who do you, who do you say I am? Which Leslie, of course, is leading us straight into. And I just want to read some scriptures because Jesus actually helps us answer that question. It's so great. He asks us questions. If, I don't know if you ever noticed in his ministry, he's just always asking questions, right? He asks us this question, but he really does answer it quite clearly in the Gospels itself. There's, a, there's this section of, um, uh, within the book of John, they're called the seven I am statements, which we've given quite a bit of time to over the years here at our church, but I wanna, I wanna read them again, because Jesus says, hey, who do you say I am? And then he actually says what's called the I am statements. And the first one is in John 6, 35, and Jesus said to them, he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Just let these sit in your heart this morning. John 12 says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. John 10, just a couple verses later in verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. John eleven twenty five, he says to, uh, he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, Though he may die, he shall live. And then John 14, 6, we've said this every week over the last nine weeks. He said to them, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then just, I think it was last week, I, I preached on John 15, 1. It says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. And he looks at us and he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. So I don't know how you need Jesus to minister to you today. And that's the way I want you to think about this is that Jesus, our heavenly father, Jesus, he wants to actually do ministry with you. Remember at the beginning I said, whatever you need, he'll give it to you. It's just about a matter of us wanting it. Like whatever it is, perhaps you need Jesus to be the bread of life for you today. Perhaps you're hungry, perhaps you're thirsty, perhaps you need provision. And just like when he prays in the Lord's prayer, prayer, he says, give us today our daily bread. He's saying, I am that bread. I'll give you, I'll sustain life. Perhaps you need him to be the light in the darkness. Perhaps you found yourself in a spiritual battle and you just feel surrounded by darkness and you need the light of God to come in and dispel that darkness. And I was actually praying over that one this morning. I just felt like someone was gonna need to hear this today, that you have been in the dark. It feels like you're stumbling around and you need the light of God to come in right now. 
Maybe he, it's the doorway. You have a life of closed doors and Jesus says, I'm the door, I'm the gate. You've tried every other way, but now it's time for you to say, you know what, I, need to find, I just need to try the Jesus way. Some of us need Jesus as the good shepherd. We need him to care for us. You know, the good shepherd protects and cares meticulously for the sheep. Maybe you feel weak, maybe you feel vulnerable and you just need the, the ministry of the good shepherd to come and surround you. So who do you say I am? He's, he's telling us. He tells us all the time. He's a lot of things. Maybe you need him to be the truth for you. Maybe you've just, you're just tired of trying to figure out life and you just need his truth to guide you. Maybe you need him to be the way or the life that Jesus promised. Maybe you need him to be the vine and you just need to be the branch. Maybe you've disconnected from the vine and it's time to kind of reconnect to the vine, to the, to the vine so that you can get the life sustaining power of Jesus in your life. You see, the I am statements, they're weighty. And I love the word weighty. It's, it's like they have, when he said these things, they weren't just like, oh, I am. And like, no, there was like this connection to the Old Testament whenever, Jesus, or whenever Moses asked God his name and God said, my name, that you'll tell them. He says, my name is I am. Tell them I am sent you. And there's power in the great I am, the idea of the I am. And here's Jesus saying, I am. So when Jesus asks you, who do you say I am? It's weighty. That's why the scriptures say that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Because Jesus is the great I am. He's the, he's the answer to every question. Who's gonna help me? I am. It's saying that Jesus, you are Lord, God is in control. Jesus, you are the way. So I want us to respond today in a way in which I feel like we can maybe consider the real key thought that Leslie presented to us, which was really this. Are we allowing our life to become very focused on who do people say I am, as in pointing at me as if the whole world revolves around me and most of our life is directed at that endeavor, at what do people think of me versus allowing our life to be dictated by what do we think of God? And if we can answer the question correctly, like who do I really say God is? And who do I really think God is? And not just focus on this understanding of what other people think of us. Perhaps maybe we would actually find the peace that we're looking for, the life that we're seeking. So I want us to kind of lean into that this morning. And that's why I love this question that Jesus presents to his disciples. What about you? Who do you say I am? No longer how long you've been, no matter how long you've been a Christian, that question resonates and, st and stays. It sits. And, it, and, and it's one that when it hits you in your heart, you have to answer it once again. So this isn't just for people who are coming to know Jesus. It's for people who've known Jesus a long time. Who do you say I am? Are you still declaring that I am Lord of your life? Is it really reflecting everything that you do, the decisions you make and the ways that you live? Are you saying who I am, not just in words, but also in deed? Do you trust me? We've been actually on this theme for a number of weeks right now. Jesus is Lord. It's the foundation of our church. It's the foundation of the church. So I'm gonna ask you to just bow your heads and I'm just gonna create some room for the Lord to move today. So Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come right now. 
We just ask you to move through this room. Let me just ask you, have you been too worried about what others think of you? Just let that question sit in your heart. Have you been too worried about what others think of you? Maybe you've been too worried about trying to please others versus instead of being, instead of just being faithful to God. I was even struck by the thought of maybe you've even hid Jesus from others because you were worried about what they thought of you. Like Peter did with the girl, like Leslie did with her uniform. Maybe you don't want someone to know who you are. And right now you can just pray, you can just pray, God, I want to live to please you. I want to live trusting you. I don't want to be afraid. I want to be bold. I want courage. You can just pray that right now. Or perhaps it's the I am statements this morning, and one of those is especially important to you. Maybe you need him to be the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the doorway. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. You are the branches. Maybe it's one of those that you just need to connect with this morning and receive. But as we worship today, I want you to imagine Jesus asking you that question. Who do you say I am? And I feel like your worship can be your response to that question. So Father, we just want to pray. We just want to pray as your people. That Father, our hearts would be drawn to just lift you up as God. The Lord, we can do as Peter did in that moment when he had the courage to say, for the first time in the scriptures, by the way, Before this moment, there had never been a time when Jesus had just tried to clearly say that I'm the Messiah. And here comes Peter right now, bold and true. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the living God. May we live with such um, boldness and courage and faith in who you are, that it may shape our way of life, shape who we are. Give us the the courage that we need in life. And as we sing even the words that, Lord, you reign above it all, that it is a declaration of your lordship in our life. We just pray these things in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, We'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.